on maynard.com.au. AU! Coming from the highest tree. It's a Bunga Bunga 72 with Tim Ferguson and Maynard. Here I am doing all the best I can to try and keep you occupied, really, because you haven't seen me for a while, and frankly, you're bored already. I am. And we're 72 shows old here. <laughs> taken a bit of a break to get other things done and if you're listening to this on the planet maynard site you've noticed there's been a few shows going on did you uh, tune into the wonderful world of dance with leslie fountain and if people are listening to this podcast without having first checked the wonderful world of dance with mr fountain then they're really missing something so many clips the most amazing hairy dancer i think i've ever seen in my life from some clip from the 60s Did that dance have a name? That was the nitty gritty you were enjoying there, and I think that was from American Bandstand or one of the shows of the time. But man, that guy was given it. He was given it the gun with a kick in the shoe to the floor. It's simply got to be seen. Head to, well, you're already at maynard.com.au, but... Definitely check that out. And Mr. Fountain's dancing tips. That guy knows how to move. Yeah, look, he was a NIDA graduate. I tried to go to NIDA. I auditioned twice. Both times when I was 17 and then 18, they told me I was too young. So I thought, what do these people know? Thank God. Otherwise, I never would have learned how to busk, become a comedian, which is a self-fulfilling and autonomous career as opposed to that of an actor where you're sitting waiting for the phone to ring to well, someone to say yeah. we're considering you. They would have poked the comedy out of you. Well, I think Gary McDonald went there, the guy who invented Norman Gunston, right. and Kate Blanchett, and some of her great comedies are yet to come. <laughs> Tell you what, he didn't go to NIDA, but I've had it very closely recommended to me that Russell Crowe in the next Thor movie is hilarious as Horny Zeus. Is he supposed to be? Yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be. And to make it horny Zeus, who's always asking where the next orgy is, will be very funny. He's only a step away from getting a role in Xanadu, you know. I'm thinking of doing a podcast called The Extras of Xanadu, because I was watching the clip all over the world from the movie Xanadu. every 30 seconds, there's an extra that's worth a paragraph or two of talking about. I reckon the whole movie's like that. <laughs> I saw it on Foxtel rotation. It was regarded as a classic. And it is a classic. And props to, to Olivia Newton-John, ONJ, for doing the best eye-popping I've seen. Uh, at the beginning of All Over the World, the mannequins come to life in the shop window and her and Jean have the biggest eye-popping moment. Olivia's eye-popping. Gold standard. She came and was trained by Channel 9. I mean, you're trained in eye-popping by Channel 9 for their promos. You really know how to work the eye-pop. They never really go back in. They never go back in. Bunga Bunga News. Tim, you've got some stuff coming up. The rumoured interaction with Flacco is still rumoured. We are rumoured to be putting together our art exhibition. And apparently, to do that, you need to have art. I suppose I better do some painting. So I've, I've started in my head. 
Maybe you could draw tableaus from famous musicals that didn't work. Can't Stop the Music, Xanadu, Thank God It's Friday, and I'm sure you can think of a couple of yourself. Oh, Jesus Christ, Superstar has such a down ending. <laughs> Herod's song does say the second act a bit. It certainly does, and it was there for any comedian <laughs> who is down on their luck and wants to do something in a stadium, you get to sing, So You Are the Christ. You're the great Jesus Christ. It's a classic song. Even Rick Mile, who you don't think is much of a singing star, he gave it a go in the 2000 version, and that was Jesus in Cargo Pants, I remember. Come on, King of the Jews. And now on Bunga Bunga 72, a very rare segment, Recriminations. We don't have corrections, we don't have apologies, we have recriminations. And our recrimination segment is long and hard and strong for Tim Tim Ferguson, who I believe said this. You're going to call it close win for Labor or a close sneak through for ScoMo? Uh-oh, what's going to happen now? I'm going to say what I said last time, which is close sneak for ScoMo. People are going, oh, no, that can't be true. No, no, and they're blocking your ears and going, la, 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 la. But go out to a suburb that you don't live in and get out of the car or off your bicycle and look around and ask yourself, are these people ever going to change? Not this time. Ever going to change? And of course not. They're Australians. Why would they? What government have we actually got in Australia, Tim? Well, we don't have Scott Morrison's government, that's for sure. But look, in my defence, everybody thought Scott Morrison was going to win because you just figure, well, we're not really the lucky country. And Scott Morrison was saying everything. And also, in my defence, I was watching Sky News a lot. I should have learned from when I predicted that Obama would lose his first election that you cannot trust Sky News as a predicting force in elections. I do apologise to everybody for giving them the wrong idea. <laughs> but I figured, you know, Scott Morrison can't lose. No way that Teals would ever rise, that people living in Toorak and Vaucluse and Peppermint Grove would actually turn around and say, no, I want to blow all that and vote for people who are single-issue people. Yes, yeah, so I was wrong. <laughs> But the good thing is what we've got in Parliament is a bunch of single-issue people, an issue that's not going to come up very often, but when it does, we'll stand back. (laughs) And as we're standing back, let's open the crank mail. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. Tim, some sort of urinating going on there. I haven't heard it for quite a few weeks. What is that? That is the sound of Donald Trump pissing on America. Pissing on America from way up high. I did predict that Donald Trump would be the president in 2016. You did, you did. And I predict that he will run for election and win in 2024. That'll be fierce. Can you see it now, people? Just when you're clutching your steering wheels tightly, Joe Biden, dum-dum-dum, versus Donald Trump, dum-dum-dum. Who do you think's going to win? Huh? Put it together. 
time to open our crank mail. Do you like the the very um, touching moment in Leslie Fountain's World of Dance where I presented him with the boy that when you pull his pants down, he wheezed? That statue, a very, very moving moment. I had one of those plastic 1970s toys. We thought it was hilarious. <laughs> you pull it down, oh, my God, and didn't they squirt water? Yeah, they squirt a short way, depending on how hard you pull his pants down. And we also demonstrated the donkey that cigarette comes out of its bum. We had all, look, basically every Every technical thing that you could get in a ha-ha shop during the 70s was on that show. They were classic toys, sadly missed. And having been a little boy who used to urinate, it was great to see it made in plastic. Crank mail! Our first bit of crank mail is from Ben Begley, our bus-driving friend from the United States. There's an American flag on the moon tonight, flying red and blue and white. There's an American flag waving on the moon, waving on the moon tonight. Ben Begley is my hero. He's one of the great Americans who listens to our podcast. Wants to know uh, what's our favourite flavour of ice cream. I'll go first on this one, cookies and cream. I kind of like pistachio, but I'm moving towards burnt orange. I haven't actually tasted burnt orange. I just like the idea of getting a bunch of oranges <laughs> and throwing them in a fun. can and pouring <laughs> petrol on them and seeing what happens and then mixing it with ice cream. I think that's very inventive. He's also thrown in this extra question, should a gentleman offer a lady a tipperello? Cigars, cigarettes, tipperellos. And I've been meaning to ask you that, Tim. Why have you got a cigarette person in your flat when neither of you smoke? They're not cigarettes, they're tipperillos. Cigars, cigarettes, tipperillos. A bit like a vape, except not tasting as good. Should you offer them to somebody? I guess you've got to know if they smoke first. Young lady, offer a tipperillo to Maynard. Why, thank you. I'll figure out what to do with it later. I guess you light one end of it, don't you? Crank mail! Well, Slice Radio, what part of the human body will the next pandemic ravage? The monkey bit. Hang on, we were on that evolutionary tree. Isn't that every bit of us? Yeah, but monkey box is going to cover all of the monkey bits of your body. The bits that aren't descended from monkeys will be fine. All the monkeys? All the monkeys. Even even by Curious George, the monkey? Even by Curious George. <laughs> Crank mail. Peter Young writes, why does no one ever say goodbye when they finish a phone call in movies? And why do people think I'm rude when I do the same in real life? If it's good enough for Steve Gutenberg, it's good enough for me. Strong words from Pete Young. What do you think, Maynard? It saves time, and unless there's some sort of plot device of someone saying goodbye in a happy, a sexy, or an angry way, or I said good day, sir, there's pretty strong language there. Time-saving. The other night I was watching When a Stranger Calls, a great scary movie, young woman in a house babysitting, and the phone rings, and the voice of the killer says, have you checked the children? Of course, you know, if he said, had you checked the children? No, okay, <laughs> bye. It doesn't quite work. And also, why would you use politeness with actors? You know, once you've got the information into them, which you know they will immediately forget, just hang up. Because saying goodbye will just make them pull out something from their range. Uh, fantastic. You know, if Peter Young's doing this, there's people all over the world that are standing there on the end of phone calls that he's had for weeks, just waiting to see if he's coming back. My grandmother just used to hang up when she was done. It drove my mum mad. <laughs> it became this unspoken race to hang up on each other. So calls became increasingly shorter. Once it was established that nobody's going to say goodbye, it changes the timbre of 
everything you do. I heartily recommend, particularly if you're talking to fictional characters or actors, don't say goodbye, just hang up when you're done. Have you got any crank mail for us? We never have any idea about anything. Tim's Twitter, he's always up for it. I'm always up for it. At Real Tim Ferguson. That's right, not the fake Tim Ferguson. Real Tim Ferguson. You can keep up with my artworks and my gigs and the weekly fake news in the New Daily. So do you think the world's gone even more into self-parody, even with the change of governments and swapping things around? Do you think we're heading, is comedy getting any easier? Comedy's always getting easier. That's the beauty of comedy. The audience is getting more difficult, but who gives a f*** about them? What about the comic the other day that was reported, someone reported one of his jokes to the police and the police investigated his joke? He had to explain his joke to the police, whereupon they thought it was very funny and and moved along. It's interesting, you know, everybody's in this terror about comedy. What will happen to comedy? Melbourne Comedy Festival, there was Brisbane Comedy Festival, Adelaide had the Fringe Festival. No complaints. People who buy a ticket to comedy know that what they're paying for is transgression. What they're paying for is someone to cross the line to say things that are too close to the bone. So I think it's actually a bull-twang panic. I think Reese Nicholson spent a night in the cells, but that was at his own request. I don't think he was actually charged with anything. He just wanted to do it. And he escaped. I wouldn't worry about comedy. You know, the journalists are always saying, so what about political correctness in comedy? You do your best to tell people the truth about things that you figure can stand up to scrutiny. So most of the time, even though it's like, oh my God, how could you say that? You're only saying something that you think is true and people are laughing. If they're laughing, they agree. And if they're not, well, that's because they don't agree. That was the first time in a long time where the comedian got arrested that I've heard anybody complain about comedy. If you think about Chris Lilly, His shows were taken off independently before anybody had the chance to complain about them. The thing to worry about is not comedians, what comedians say. Who gives a shit? And a comedian can be wrong. It's like hearing a street preacher be wrong. What are you going to do, call a cop? Just move along. Ricky Gervais got two new videos that he's brought out, and Dave Chappelle, of course, has trodden on toes. But anybody who really sits down and writes a letter to their congressperson about those things is missing the point. Because if you are protesting against a comedian, let me remind you that there is a right-wing radio station near you. If you're in Sydney, then you can just drive round to 2UE or 2GB. If you're in Melbourne, 3AW. If you're, well, if you're in Tasmania, you can go anywhere. Bernie, maybe. If you don't like things that are wrong, don't complain about the comedians. Go where it starts. Go and sit outside of Sky News and wait until they address your issues. Otherwise, consider <coughs> off quickly. I think it's time right now to have a look inside Maynard's bug out bag. We haven't seen it for a while. I've got something very special, but I can't tell you until Tim tells you what we're about to do. What's in Maynard's bug out bag? golden throats of Tim Ferguson there. It's a one metre square a waterproof of Audrey Hepburn in a favourite scene from Breakfast from Tiffany's. What do you think of that, Tim? What a glamorous, exciting, brilliant, clever woman Audrey Hepburn was. 
Breakfast at Tiffany's. Holy moly, that's a movie. I know watching it now will make you go blind, but at the time, I'm sure it was great. Truman Capote did not like the screen adaptation, and there was a lot of argument over whether they should have Moon River, the song in it, as it's the only song that's actually sung in the movie. Very unusual, but they kept it in. Truman Capote, if you didn't like the movie, next time don't sell the rights to the movie makers for millions. Don't cash the cheque if you feel that strongly. It's like the guy who wrote uh, Watchmen. He hates the Watchmen movies. He hates the Watchmen TV show. I mean, he hates it from a limousine (laughs) paid for by (laughs) the movies and the TV show. So if you don't want it to happen, don't sell the rights. That great print that I've got, I found that in the back alley in Glebe when I was wandering back to Maynard International Studios. That's because Glebe don't know quality if you poke them in the eye with it. And it's mostly people who are, what what do they call them, hipsters, who know the difference between a coffee and a coffee. There's apparently a difference. Maybe spelt with a K. These pricks don't know. No, I mean, Audrey Hepburn. Audrey probably isn't a great goth, so the inner city people might have a problem with that. And she was glamorous, beautiful and well-dressed. That's what's in my bug out bag. I've decided to collect the Ultra Lounge series of CDs. You might remember in the mid-90s, Tim, a lot of classic labels got together in the US and released lounge music on 15 different CDs of various kinds from the golden era, all beautifully remixed and everything. And now because (laughs) CDs, what are they? They're like five bucks each, and I've been trying to collect all 15 of them. I've got 11 so far, and there's tracks like this. Tracks like this. I never thought my heart could be had, but now I'm caught and I'm kind of glad to be bewitched. Oh, and of course, this one you'd like. It's very strange. It's got a lot of in it. And there are tracks that you really shouldn't play if you're of a delicate nature. Oh, not cookie again. Yeah, better play the cookie. I don't stay out till daylight. I'm not the type to roam. If I'm not in bed by midnight, I get in my car and go home. That's the kind of burlesque show I want to go to. So that's what's in my bug out bag. A bit of music and a bit of Audrey Hepburn. I'm not apologising for any of it. Burlesque, middle class stripping. But right now, it's time for you to strip you down to the bare bones of the whole thing, Tim. It's time for Tim's Historical Hypothetical. Tim, it's today. Today? I haven't prepared for that. You are at the Supreme Court of the United States. Wow, I love that building. Yeah, you can't even see the roof. You are Associate Justice Amy Coney Barrett. You have to vote about Roe versus Wade. How do you vote? Why do you vote? Do you vote? Do you dissent? How many pages do you write in your dissent? And do you leave the building before lunch? Well, the first thing I've got to remember is, what did I say when they were giving me the job? A lot of people ask me a question about Roe versus Wade, and I have to go back and have a look and, ah, it's simple. 
What I said was, I'm not going to do anything to Roe versus Wade, and I don't know why you keep asking me these questions. So I would do the opposite to that, because that's what judges do. I do the opposite, which, of course, is um, what Coney Barrett did. She did the opposite to what she said she was going to do, and, well, here we are. They're worrying now that Roe versus Wade is gone. Uh, what else is going to happen to things like gay marriage, to just being gay? And also veganism is at great risk of becoming illegal and not recognized by the Supreme Court. If I was vegan and living in America, I'd be looking over my shoulder and telling my chickens, who are all free-range and alive, and you never eat the eggs, we all have to be careful. The reason why this happened was because Donald Trump managed to get three people on the Supreme Court, and by doing this, Roe versus Wade was already going to be in trouble. You know, if only Americans had the chance to vote. In Australia, we have a democratic system, and the Americans should really try it, where every person in America is given the right to vote. But of course, nobody votes in America. They usually just stand around scratching their heads saying, I can't believe it. We could have had Hillary Clinton as president, which would have been you know, a bit teeth grating because you know what the Clintons are like. You know, they're, they're difficult and they're a bit, oh, we know better. Or we could have Donald Trump. If Hillary had won, then Roe versus Wade would still be standing. So you're suggesting it should be compulsory. That would be considered anti-American, Tim. Compulsory voting would be good. An American Electoral Commission, not unlike an Australian Electoral Commission, so that when someone says, you know, oh, my God, I won the election and you didn't, then you just call the commission and they can say, sorry, nerd. But Americans don't vote. That's how they keep their democracy pure and clean, is they don't vote. I have no interest in hearing about Americans saying, oh, no, my right to be a vegan is going. Oh, no, my right to shampoo is, is at risk. You knew in 2016, except you stayed home, you get what you get. In the meantime, the Australian democracy is doing just fine. Um, but surely this has been a big enough shock to everybody if they have everyone get out there. Yeah, but only to the godless fuckers in California. You know, there's most people in America still will not go out to vote. Otherwise, you lose your rights. Thankfully, in Australia, we don't have a Bill of Rights. So the topic never comes up. People say we have the right to free speech in Australia. No, we don't. We have a convention of free speech. That's nothing your lawyer can take to court. Tim Ferguson making the murky even murkier in Tim's historical hypothetical. I told you he'd solve nothing and I was right. You were right, Maynard, as always. It's been a great Bunga Bunga 72. Already three or four different awards have come in. Unfortunately, they're for some other show. It's time for Tim's right of reply to a question that nobody asked, where Tim has thought long and hard about something and then thrown that to one side and just quickly burped out something he, uh, he typed up just after lunch. Don't expect too much. Tim. Australian politics, it's looking fairly healthy. It's nice to have a new government, a Labor government, and it's great to have all those Teal people. 
teal being a colour which is a combination of blue ribbon blue and leafy suburb green. Great to have those in there. It's great for the greens to be so powerful. And they'll have to make sure they've got the lighting right or else they could get confused because those colours under a red light could look a bit the same. And of course, it's great to have Pauline Hanson there. I thought Pauline was not going to win a seat. And that would not only be bad for comedy, but it would have been bad for Australia because then we just end up being in the hands of, what are they called? Oh, yeah, half-assed ex-university communist green table-thumping morons. I'm sorry if you vote green. No, what I mean is, I'm sorry if you vote green. And what are you replying to exactly? (laughs) I'm, I'm replying to a question I asked in my own head, and the question is, what do you think about Australian politics, Tim? And the answer is, not often. Tim Ferguson's right reply, replying to a question he didn't ask. Don't expect too much. Tim, I think you'd agree that this has been something. (laughs) It certainly has. And my friend Boris Johnson agrees. We have a bit more of Cookie. Cookie. The man I marry is my delight. We never argue. We never fight. And I know where he is every single night. Because I shot him. Oh, I think we should dance our way out of here, Tim. Tim, it's been great to catch you again. We'll catch you for Bunga Bunga 73. When we once again will say Bunga Bunga I'm forever blowing bubbles Pretty bubbles in the air They fly so high Nearly reach the sky Then like my dreams they fade Maynard.com.au AU Bryson and Hume Everything digital